Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. I'm Chase Cannon. I'm here with my colleague, Suzanne Spradley. We're both attorneys with NFP's legal and compliance team, and we're on the podcast to break down interesting and challenging compliance issues that are in front of employers with respect to their group health plans. And Suzanne, today we are going to continue the theme of lawsuits against employers and plans with a focus on COBRA. We touched on the case last uh, podcast, and we're going to continue on that. So can you give us some insight into what we are going to focus on today, Suzanne? Right. As you said, Cobra, Cobra, Cobra. There's been just a, a recent rise in lawsuits um, on Cobra from former employees that allege some type of deficiency in the Cobra election notice. Now, we're going to focus on some of the class action lawsuits that are targeting large employers. Um, but there's also we'll talk about a, a recent lawsuit that just targeted a single employer, because I think all of these are very instructive as as uh, to what employers should be doing and, and how to keep themselves out of these lawsuits. But um, like I said, we we really have the goal of wanting to make employers aware of the different pitfalls, especially as it relates to COBRA election notices. Yes, always a tricky spot and always a good thing to make sure you're doing right as a, as a plan administrator. But let's start with the class action, Suzanne. Give us a little bit of info on, on that. Well, the class actions have been filed by predominantly two plaintiffs' law firms in Florida. And so they filed over 20 lawsuits against employers as planned sponsors. And note that while the lawsuits are being filed in Florida, they're against multi-state employers often. And so it's just because you're not located down in Florida. You know, if you, certainly if you have employees in Florida, um, you may find yourself uh, uh, subject to one of these uh, law firms' lawsuits. But in general, the suits allege deficiencies in their COBRA election notice. And it's important to understand that many of these employers were utilizing the DOL model election notice. And so we're going to walk through some of the technical defects in the election notices that resulted in these lawsuits. But it's worth pointing out that the model um, election notice provides a safe harbor from regulatory fines, but it really doesn't prevent lawsuits. And so, as you can see by these um, class actions, which have forced employers into either settling or defending a costly litigation. And, and what we found is that a lot of employers are choosing to settle. And so there have been at least 10 of these lawsuits that have been settled and some for large amounts. Um, at least five courts have denied the employer's motion to dismiss. Uh, although I think with all of these opinions, they they have um, not evaluated on the substantive content of the COBRA notice, but instead they just accepted the plaintiff's allegation as factually correct and allowed the, the lawsuit to continue. So as of now, we don't have any courts that have made substantive rulings on the merits of the plaintiff's claims, either at summary judgment or at trial. Uh, so, you know, still remains a lot to be seen uh, in terms of uh, the arguments and, and what they're alleging. Right. So let's back up and, and sort of set the stage here for what's required in a COBRA election notice. I think that's helpful for uh, to level set and understand that. So our audience obviously understands COBRA. 
and the fact that most employers must allow their employees and their family members the opportunity to continue health care coverage under the employer's plan when a qualifying event occurs. And we're not going to walk through what the various qualifying events are on this podcast, but the events, uh, you know, it's important to note that that COBRA is not automatically provided. It does require the employer qualified beneficiary to elect the COBRA coverage. The election is set in motion by the plan administrator sending a notice to the employee or the qualified beneficiary of their COBRA election rights in something that we, we refer to as the election notice. Uh, the general rule is that the plan administrator must provide a COBRA election notice to any qualified beneficiary within 14 days after the plan administrator has been notified that the qualifying event has occurred. And if the employer and the plan administrator are the same, the deadline's 44 days after a qualifying event that requires notice from the employer to the plan. So the DOL COBRA regs require that plan administrators send the notice using one of ERISA's general delivery standards. And so um, that does require that the delivery um, is in some measure reasonably calculated to ensure actual receipt. And, and you'll see that come up certainly in some of the lawsuits. Um, yeah. The general delivery standard is also allows for a safe harbor for electronic delivery. Um, but in addition, the preamble to the COBRA regs state that a notice will be considered furnished, and I say that in quote, as of the date of the mailing, if it's mailed by first-class mail, by certified mail or express mail, or as of the date of electronic transmission, if it's transmitted electronically. So um, it's important to note that while the substantive COBRA rules are in the Internal Revenue Code, it's really the DOL that has enforcement authority over the content of the notice. And so um, the DOL's notice regulations provide that the election notice must be written in a manner calculated to be understood by the average plan participant. And it includes um, a list of 14 items that have to be included in the election notice. And so the DOL issued a model election notice. Um, and you would think that that would provide a safe harbor in terms of litigation as well. But as I mentioned earlier, it does not. Um, the regulations explain that the use of the model is not mandatory, but um, the use of the model appropriately modified and supplemented will be deemed to satisfy the regulations content requirements. So it states uh -huh. to use this model election notice properly, the plan administrator must fill in the blanks with the appropriate plan information. So, for example, like the date, the qualified beneficiary's name or status, the qualifying event the date of the COBRA continuation coverage begins and ends, the name of the COBRA administrator, the cost of the cover of the coverage, and that, you know, that's just some of the information that you must include within the model notice. So the model notice is not in and of itself uh, complete. And so it's really, this is where we're going to see some of um, the areas being, um, you know, not technically correct when you see some of these lawsuits occurring. The model notice was updated in May of 2020 to um, uh, address the COBRA's interaction with Medicare. That was the most recent update that we've mm -hmm. seen. But again, it's a good place, you know, to start in drafting, but it's not uh, a barrier to lawsuits. And so it's really instructive to go through how these lawsuits are identifying what they see as deficiencies in any of these uh, notices. Yeah. So because there's some supplementation in the notice that goes there, it can't be completely foolproof, I think is 
this is how to view it, but it is a good, a good launching spot. And that, that May 2020 update to the COBRA election notice caused some confusion too, because that was right when the pandemic regulations were uh, starting. And I know there was a lot of confusion of whether the model election notice had been updated to include some of the pandemic changes that were going on. But are there any, just getting back to the lawsuits themselves, are there any consistencies uh, in the lawsuits themselves? Well, so it, what's interesting is all of these COBRA notice cases have been brought by a former employee who was terminated um, from the employer and who did not elect COBRA coverage. And so then they later incurred medical expenses and they alleged that the um, former employee did not elect COBRA because of some type of deficiency in the COBRA election notice that they received. And so because of this, that, uh, you know, the plan must then cover their cost in some, for in some form. So because the health plan used the same COBRA election notice for all participants, the plaintiffs say they are bringing the cases as class actions on behalf of all participants in the plan who were sent the same COBRA notice and who did not elect COBRA. So the cases generally are seeking declaratory relief penalties and appropriate equitable relief under ERISA, which includes a maximum statutory penalty of $110 per day um, and stating that a compliant COBRA notice was required but was not provided to the class members. And so that's where you see um, a lot of these lawsuits are alleging. Otherwise, the complaints differ slightly and they allege various technical violations of the election notice, which we'll walk through. However, one allegation that appears in all of the complaints is that the notice fails to provide the name, address, and telephone number of the plan administrator. Um, and what's interesting is that the COBRA regs don't require that the COBRA election notice identify the plan administrator. Instead, they require that it contain the name, address, and telephone number of the party responsible under the plan for administration of the COBRA benefits. Uh, and similarly, the model election notice doesn't specifically list the plan administrator, but it states you may contact and then it has a place for including information to confirm, for example, the correct amount of your first payment. And so what we're finding is that in a, a lot of um, large employers you know, utilize or have an administrator for COBRA. And it's not the, the plan administrator that's defined in ERISA or listed in the SPD. And so most of the COBRA notices are really referencing the COBRA administrator, uh, the party responsible for administering, obviously, COBRA and not the plan administrator. And so the complaints are alleging that this is incorrect and it's confusing for participants and it's causing them not to elect COBRA and so that they suffer, in quotes, informational injury. Thank you. That makes sense. And it's good to, you know, sort of review what actually has to be in there and um, those similarities of the defects that are sort of drawing out these lawsuits. Um, what are some of the other technical defects alleged in those lawsuits? So again, remember that there's these gaps in the model notice that have to be filled in. So one defect they've identified is that the specific end date for the COBRA coverage was not included. It only included the starting date or the duration of the coverage, or that the notice doesn't adequately explain the procedures for electing coverage or uh, doesn't include a physical election form. Um, the notice fails to provide the address to where the payment sh should be sent. Um, it's not written in a manner calculated to be understood by the average plan participant because of the different failures you know, that we've already described. Um, one said that the notice was not in Spanish, even though uh, the participants only spoke Spanish. And again, remember, the COBRA regs don't require that the election notice be provided in a foreign language. 
um, that the model notice has provided it in Spanish, but it was only as a courtesy to employers that wish to voluntarily provide it in Spanish, but there's no requirement under the regs that it be done. Um, and so what we have so far with these class actions, as I mentioned previously, is that at least 10 of them were settled. And so the employers didn't want to bother fighting it. Even if they really had good arguments to provide, they haven't wanted to fight it and they've just settled. If we look at the amounts that are publicly available, it looks like we have settlements up to at least $1.25 million. So not a small amount. Um, yeah. And then as mentioned previously, five cases uh, involving employers motion to dismiss were denied by courts. And so it allowed the cases to proceed. And at that point, you may have seen some, some settlements occur. Um, but I've also noted that earlier that there have been no substantive decisions reached on the merits of the plaintiff's claim. And so in, in some cases, it certainly seems like these claims are, you know, outside of what would be um, a valid claim. But again, a lot of employers are just choosing to settle instead to fight it in the courts. Yeah. And even the cost of fighting it in courts, getting that far can be costly, right? I mean, the settlements are $1 amount, but the cost of litigation and responding to class actions is another. Um, you mentioned a case against a single employer that occurred recently. You want to jump into that one? Yeah, there was a case in Alabama, uh, Howard v. Ivy Creek of Talapusa. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but in this case, a terminated employee sued their employer and the TPA of its self-funded plan for failing to provide the COBRA election notice to her last known address and failing to provide documents that were requested. And what happened was shortly after her termination, the employer did mail a letter to the employee's current address, notifying her that her health insurance had lapsed and that she would receive COBRA information separately. And then on the same day, the employer mailed to the current address an election notice for the dental coverage, but was leaving it up the medical election notice um, to the TPA, who was contractually responsible for providing that notice. The TPA mailed the election notice to the employee's former address. And according to them, the employer had never notified them of the address change. And so um, part of the rub here is that when the employee did not receive their election notice for medical coverage, they did reach out to the employer and requested the plan documents and they didn't receive a response. So they turned around and sued both the TPA and the employer. Um, seeking statutory penalties and payment of an accrued medical bill and premiums and attorney's fees. And uh, the court rejected the employer's argument that it had complied with its statutory duty because it had delegated its responsibility to the TPA. Um, and it stated that the delegation did not absolve the employer of liability. So I think this is really important to understand. So the court allowed the case to proceed to trial for the determination of whether the employer attempted in good faith to notify the employee of their COBRA rights. But um, they did, um, uh, the court also advanced the employee's claim against the employer for failing to provide the plan documents upon request. But in contrast, they ruled in favor of the TPA. So they let the TPA off the hook, finding that it had no statutory liability, liability or fiduciary responsibility towards the employee, even though it could have had a contractual agreement with the employer. So um, it's a really good reminder that employers must establish a good procedure for the COBRA notices, even if they have delegated that responsibility to the TPA. Um, they must make sure that, of course, that any address changes have been 
um, provided to the TPA and that they remain on the hook if the TPA does not send the the required notice. So um, just as a, as a plan administrator, make sure that the qualified beneficiary actually receives a require certainly a required notice, um, and it it need only make a good faith effort to provide that notice. But of course, n- doing so at the last known address is relevant in that case. Yeah, and that's a little bit of what we were talking about in la- in the last episode's COVID case is just this idea of how are you delivering these notices, and that was the focus there. So. Um, these are all great reminders, uh, but what are what are some bulleted takeaways for employers here, Susanna, with the class actions and with this uh, single lawsuit? With well, yeah, I think with many of the employers in the class action and certainly with this last lawsuit, you find that the employers are using third-party vendors to provide the notices to the employees. So they, they must make sure that um, even though the vendors are providing their notices, um, and or even if they're utilizing a DOL model notice, they need to look into it further and make sure that the information's being filled in there correctly and that the vendor's not omitting like the plan administrator's name um, and that the uh, they're providing information about where to mail payments to um, and certainly providing information to the TPA about any last known addresses. So the the model notice in and of itself is not going to prevent litigation. It's really what other information should be included within there. And also, you can provide additional information to avoid potential litigation as, for example, including the plan administrator's name and contact information in addition to the COBRA administration's administrator's name and information. So all of that to say is to really review uh, your procedures with regard to the COBRA notices, uh, periodically review those COBRA notices and see what information has been included, especially if you're using a third-party vendor, and ensure that all of the relevant information is being included in addition to anything else that's been um, addressed in some of these lawsuits, because it's a really a simple fix that can avoid any costly uh, defense of litigation. Great takeaways. Great reminders and and uh, always good to help understand. You always feel bad for those involved in the lawsuit, but always a good lesson takeaway for those that are trying to do better and and for uh, employers that are trying to you know button down their compliance processes and procedures. So thank you, Suzanne, for walking through this. And uh, as we like to say, that's a, wrap. that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.